Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. As you notice, I am not Pastor Ben. Pastor Ben and me are totally two different people. (laughs) I am, but God is so awesome like that. Um, Just a little bit about about myself. Um, I'm one of the assistant pastors here. And uh, we moved out here from California in 2004, June 2004, right? And so God has brought us here to be part of this fellowship, of this family, that we're able, me and my wife and our family, we're able to help in God's kingdom. God doesn't need us. We are gifted the opportunity to be part of what he's doing. Through the, I mean, when we first started, we were on 34th Street, small church. It was my family, Pastor Ben's family, and probably a few other people. You could count on one hand how many people went to our church, plus kids. And so I've seen God do a great work in this ministry. You know, there are times, and there are times in the ministry where you're in the ministry, you're like, God, what are we doing here? Because, you know, we're from California, and we had an opportunity to go to much better looking places than Lubbock, Texas. And God said, nope, I'm calling you to Lubbock, Texas. It was a God move because it wasn't even in our plans. And so we got out here, and we became part of this fellowship. And we're going to see that in God's word, what fellowship really means. Because if you are in the light, If you know Jesus, if you are part of God's family, we are all in the light. But this world is so dark. There is darkness, and we're going to see what darkness is all about. Before we begin, I'm going to read the whole chapter, which is only 10 verses, and then we'll go back and break things down, okay? I think he has it up there. If not, then you could check out your own Bible. If you do need a Bible, there's Bibles in the back, and uh, Brother Mike can get one for you. But let's go ahead and read this. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. And John writes, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, Jesus The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So Jesus became man. Verse 3 says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Verse 5 says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now he's writing, he's specifically writing to the church here. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And verse 10 says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Okay, I could basically end it there and we could all be dispensed. But <laughs> Pastor Brain won't be happy, so let's go over this. Okay, 1 John is a book about what matters. John's objective is to destroy wrong assumptions, wrong teachings, and to declare that Jesus is the word of life. So that all might have fellowship with him, you and I, the world. Not only with God, but also with each other, right? Because we have one common thing. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Once you come to the light, you are, the Bible says you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Sealed. That is nothing. Nothing. I don't care. Nothing. There's other teachings out there that says you can lose your salvation. Here's the question. Did you ever have salvation is the question. You can never lose it. And there's other teachings out there, but I'm not going to go into that. So that's what John was writing. So we must keep inside as we go through this uh, epistle of John. John was writing as we do. We need to focus on why is John writing this as we go through this Bible study, right? So John's intention was to help broken churches gain sight of who Jesus was and who they were in Christ. There are many different heresies and ideas that go against the true person of Christ in our culture and back then. Isn't that the same as today? Isn't that we have so-called churches that look like the real church of Jesus? But it's not the real thing. And this is what John is writing about. Hey, you guys are starting to go down this wrong path. You're losing the truth, and you need to come back to what it's all about, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. So like the church that John addresses, we need to have a firm foundation and understanding of Christ in order to live a life pleasing to him. You can't just call yourself a Christian and live the way you want. I'm sorry, that does not happen. You will grow in your walk with Jesus as you mature as you are in the word, as you are being taught, as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, but you will never have the same life you did as when you were in darkness because the light has come into you. And that's what John is telling these guys. Hey, you need to stop messing around. The light has come to into you guys. And before we get, I like to do an introduction of First John because we need to set the table before we have the menu you know, when you have a dinner, when, you know, people are coming over, you always set the table, you get the nice plates, especially if you have good, you know, guests you're trying to impress. Okay, you pull out the good plates, the good forks, the stuff you never use forever. You use paper plates, paper and plastic, uh, you know, plastic forks and whatnot. And now you have something special coming in. That's what I want to do this morning. I want to set the table, set the scene, set the scenario before we actually dig into this. Because I really believe in order for us to understand, we have to understand it from back then, what the church was going through. The same thing that was going on back then happens now. It's nothing new. The devil is 
very, very smart. He's out here to kill and destroy people. And that's his mission. But I want to set the table. So a little bit about the author. Even though this epistle does not, if you read through it, this epistle does not state the name of John, the author. But there's solid evidence suggests that it was written by John. Now, John was was the son of Zebedee, and he was the brother of James. He was one of the three guys in the inner circle of Jesus, right? Peter, James, and John. James and John were the brothers. So there are strong similarities between this letter and the Gospel of John to let you know that, hey, John, the Apostle John is the one that wrote this letter. Even though he doesn't say, I'm John, I'm writing you this letter, we know because there's very there's a lot of similar things, themes, and words that go from John to First John. And also, the early church fathers like Papias, Polycarp, Irenaeus, you know, they all direct John as the apostle, as the writer of this epistle. Okay, so John was the youngest disciple during the time of Jesus while he he was here on this earth. From what I study and I read, he was probably in his late teens, maybe 20, 21, somewhere around that age. So he was the youngest of the disciples. And he outlived all the other disciples because all the other disciples have been killed, martyred. Because why? Because of Jesus. They confessed Jesus. You know, Peter, when he died, they were going to crucify him. Peter said... Turn me upside down, I'm going to be crucified the same way as my Lord and Savior. And John, he lived to a ripe old age, and God didn't allow him to be martyred. Because I believe that God the Father had more for John, the apostle, to write. And that's how we get the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation. They all have similar themes. In the book of John... It talks about light versus darkness. We see that in 1 John. It talks about children of God and children of the devil. We see that in both John and 1 John. And it talks about those who know God also know his son, Jesus. And that's a theme throughout 1 John and through John. Very, very similar themes. Just just so that I'm not not making things up, they're similar wording. From John, the first John. Here's John 1.18. No one has seen God at any time. John, first John 4.12. No one has seen God at any time. Wow, did that guy just copy the other guy or is that the same person? <laughs> John 3.16. He gave, John 3.16. He gave his only begotten son. First John 4.9 says, God has sent his only begotten son. First John is a short book. You can turn there and just check me to make sure I'm telling you what the truth is. What about this? John 3.36 says this. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. Now check this out. John 5.12. You can turn in right now. John, First John chapter 5, verse 12. It says this. He who has the Son has life. He, he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Same thing. 
What about John 5, 24? It says, he who hears my word and believes has passed from death into life. First John 3, 14 says this, we know that we have passed from death to life. You see the similar themes there? So that is, you know, there's other, you know, there's very smart people that study the word of God. They, they try to debate, ah, John didn't write this, but personally, I think John wrote it. God can speak to you about that. Okay, so the three epistles that John wrote were probably written to churches in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, while John was ministering in Ephesus. Now, this is towards the end of John's life. He's getting ready to be boiled by oil. So the epistles of John are usually dated between A.D., 80, and 95, so a span of about 15 years, Okay. However, the exact date, we don't really know because there's, but it's around those dates from what church history, the church fathers um, all have attained to. So the purpose of 1 John, this is the purpose. This is why John is writing this short letter to this church or group of churches. So 1 John was written to a church or a group of churches in crisis. They were going through a difficult time. Churches were being bombarded by false teachings. Is that happening today? Some individuals who had once been associated with churches, with the Christian community, had adopted unorthodox doctrines, bad teachings. They had started taking in these bad teachings and left the church. And we see that in chapter 2, verse 19. I know I'm giving you a lot of information, but we'll get to the crux of what I want to, you know, the main points. Um, Evidently, these guys, they were had bad theology, bad teaching. After they left the church, they continued to spread this false propaganda to those who remained in the church. Now, look, just look around you. There's a lot of different people in here. And in a church, when I got saved, it was a, in a church of about, I don't know, 3,000 people or so. When I got saved, it was January 2000. I never get tired of telling this story because... Because that's when Jesus saved me. I was in the back, 30 years of living in darkness. It was New Venture Christian Fellowship. It's an offshoot of Calvary Chapel. I was in the back. A friend of mine invited us to church. We went in there. I can't tell you what the teaching was about. or I don't remember anything else, but I know God came in and saved me. And that's what it's all about, right? It's about how good God is. But these other people that were leaving the church, they were trying to pull the believers away from the congregation, from the church. So we can be in a in a church this small or in big churches, not everybody in those churches are saved. Not everyone that goes to church has the light of Jesus. You may be here today and you know, you know, you know, just like I know that I am saved because I know. The Bible tells me, you know, you know, you know. 
When I got saved, it was like, God saved me. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know how many books were in the Bible. I didn't know it was written by many, many different authors. I didn't know a lot of things, but God saved me, plucked me out of darkness, put me in his light. And you had false believers, false people in the church that were trying to take this message of Jesus and bring a false message. And this is what's happening in this church. And John is writing this letter to combat the propaganda of certain false teachers. You know, as the author addresses the beliefs of these heretics, the false teachings, he argues that these individuals are not genuine believers. They lack the marks of authentic Christianity. Doctrinally, they have compromised the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's what it was about. John criticizes those who did not confess Jesus Christ as the Lord. That's what's happening in this church. That's what's happening in the church today. There's essentials and non-essentials of our faith. When you deny Jesus' humanity, his Godhead, you've denied the faith. That's an essential. There's no discussing that. That is truth. Jesus is God. He came to earth as a man to experience. He's experienced everything that emotionally, whatever you go through, he experienced that. That's why we relate to him, and that's why we go to him. And John is writing to these guys, and he's telling these guys, you guys need to get back to Christ. And most likely, these false teachers were influenced by an early Gnostic ideas, Gnosticism. So Gnosticism was a heretical movement that became prominent in the second century A.D., especially when all the disciples had passed away, all the apostles. And while Gnosticism took many forms, it usually emphasized the essential goodness of spirit and the inherent evil or inferiority of all matter. They were saying that Gnosticism, in a nutshell, says this, because I have many, many different... It was Gnosticism, which boasted super knowledge. It accepted the deity of Jesus, but it denied his humanity. It denied that Jesus was human, that he was ever born. They just thought he was a spirit. And this is the type of teaching that was starting to infiltrate the church, and people were walking away from it. So this is what's going on. This is what's happening in this church. People were denying the deity of Jesus Christ. They were saying that Jesus never came as a, as a man. This is the false teachings that was being infiltrated in the church. But we know that is not so. So let's go to 1 John chapter 1, and I'll try to show you all this, what we talked about as far as setting the table. So, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. This is what John is refuting. This is what he's going against. He's letting the church know, hey, Jesus was here. I witnessed. I spent life with him for about three and a half years. I was with him. I touched him. I seen him perform miracles. I seen him do this. I seen him be compassionate to sinners. I seen him. I was with him. I'm the last. I was with him while he was here on earth. So you can't tell me that Jesus was just a spirit. 
John is telling them that Jesus, from the beginning, in Genesis 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. John 1, 1 and 2 says, In the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. This is from John eight fifty eight. Revelations 1, 8, 7, 18 says this. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, John is, is letting the people know. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Right away from the get-go, John is telling them all that false false uh, beliefs that's coming into the church, that Jesus was never really here on earth, that he was just a spirit. That's not true. I lived with Jesus. I saw him while he was here on earth. And he says right there concerning the word of life. The word of life is Jesus. He lived That which was from the beginning, which we have heard concerning the word of life, that's Jesus. In the beginning was the word. And in the Bible it says, in 1 John 5, 7 it says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these are one. All three bear witness that Jesus is he who says he is. He is the Son of God. And he's telling these guys. In John 5, 26, it says, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. Jesus came. He lived on this earth. He was not a fictitious ghost or spirit. He was a man. I lived with him. I've seen him. I've walked with him. I've fellowshiped with him. I had dinner, lunch, breakfast with him. We fed the 5,000. John is letting them know right away, hey, what you guys are hearing, that Jesus was just a spirit, that's not true. Jesus was the man. He's the man God. That's what he's telling these guys. Verse 2 says, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So you notice what John is doing here. He's refuting all this bad theology, this bad teaching that's infiltrating the church about Jesus Christ. The church is his. And the reason some the reason why I think this bad teaching is coming in is because people want to create their own gods so they can do what they want to do. If you say Jesus is not he was just a spirit And, you know, matter, the body is evil, is bad, but your spirit, don't worry about it. Your spirit is just your spirit. You'll always have your spirit and you'll, you'll be one of his. And John is writing to these guys saying, you guys are lost. You guys are following a false doctrine, false teachings about who Jesus says he is and what he has come to accomplish. And John's letting him know, I lived with him. 
He became a man. He wasn't just a ghost like you. some of you guys say that he was just a spirit ghost or something. He was a man. I've lived with him. John testified. If anybody could testify to Jesus, it's this guy. Because all the other apostles, disciples have passed away. John was the last disciple, the last apostle for people to come to and say, John, is this really true? You know, what we're hearing over here, these guys are telling us that, that Jesus wasn't a man. He's just a spirit. And John's telling them that's a lie because in order for us to have salvation, somebody has to die. And it wasn't a spirit that died. It was the man Jesus. In verse 3, it says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So John is telling these guys, hey, me and all the believers of the past that have passed away, the apostles, the disciples that have passed away, we have fellowship with the Father because of Jesus. And that is the good news. That brings great joy. He says, we have seen and we have fellowship. This fellowship in the Greek is koinonia. Koinonia. It's true intimacy with somebody. It's somebody that really knows you, right? Like my wife, out of everybody in this room, my wife really knows me. Like she knows, she knows me before I even say a word or she knows what my mood is. You know, I can, I can, uh, I can really, I can look good to you guys, but she knows when I, you know, when there's bitterness in my heart, when there's pride, when nobody else can see what you are. God knows. She knows. And John is telling us that's the type of fellowship we need to have with the Father, with Jesus. And ultimately, how are you doing with your fellowship with Jesus this morning? Are you kind of just comfortable going through the motions? Everything's okay? Or is it challenging? Is it difficult right now? How is your fellowship with Jesus this morning? How's your joy in Jesus this morning? Has life gotten you down? Has circumstances in your life swayed you from your eyes on Jesus? Did you lose a job this morning? Did you lose a job this week? Did something happen? Did a bill not get paid? Are you under financial stress? Are you under a difficult relationship with your wife or spouse or with your kids? How is it this morning with you and God? Does God really know what's going on in your life? That koinonia, does God really know what's going on? Or are we trying to handle everything on our own? God, I'm going to muster through this thing on my own. I can get through it. Okay, God's going to let you go through it. Go through the valleys. Learn your lesson. Oh, God. I should have came to you a long time ago for this situation. How's your koinonia with Jesus this morning? Where are you at? Is it good? Is it joyful? 
Are you happy? Regardless of what circumstance you go through. How is it? Really? How is it? It's good to take, it's good for us as believers to take spiritual inventory of where we're at. Because we can only fake ourselves and fake one another, but we're not faking God. God knows what's going on in your heart. Is there pride we have to bring to the table? Is there some form of darkness in your life that you compartmentalize and put it here and you do church and then you do it here, you do church? Koinonia, true intimacy, fellowship with your Savior. How is it this morning? If you're not in the light, come to the light. The light is Jesus. Every message that we should teach up here, every message, whoever comes up here, everything points to him. Life in Greek is Zoe. Zoe. That's eternal, fulfilling life. That's a good girl's name too, Zoe. So your daughter Zoe, it means life, abundant, abundant life. How is your koinonia this morning with Jesus? Verse 4 says, and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Now, that is the reason why John is writing this letter. We don't have to be all technical, spiritually about it. Why is John writing this, le- this letter? So that these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Is your joy full this morning with Jesus? That's challenging, right? Is he the source of your joy? Or, or is things, status, positions, whatever. You know, it's either Jesus is the source of our joy or something else. Family's good. Husband's wife are good. Relationships are good. There's good things, but don't take those things and put your joy in it. Come to the one who gives ultimate joy. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything else, Jesus just multiplies those joy. Your family situation, thousand times better because you have Jesus. You have the true joy. And they see that in you. Even though some of them live in darkness, you keep shining. Your joy keeps shining. Verse 5 says, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him no darkness at all. So John is writing to them, and he's telling them, hey, guys, this is the message. While Jesus was here on earth, this is what he told us, to, that God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. You know, it's good for us to reflect on our walks with Jesus. It's good for us to look back and to see how he pulled us out of darkness, brought us into the light, and how you grew in your spiritual walk with him, day by day, glory by glory, as the word says. 
Doesn't that bring great joy? And this is what John is telling him. While Jesus was here on this earth, this is the message that he told us, that God is light, and in him, in him there's no darkness at all. There's not a hint of darkness in Jesus Christ. Now, what, when you think of darkness, what do you... And I was doing this, you know, I put like darkness, and I wrote out all the... What, when I think of darkness, I just think, okay, the lights are out, the room is dark. Isn't it kind of hard to walk when... It's just dark in the room. You're trying to find your phone or your keys. You know, you wake up in the morning. It's not really the light. The sun hasn't really come out. It's still dark. And maybe the electricity went off and you're just like, where's everything at? That could be our walks with God. We could be in a place spiritually where we're dark. And Jesus says, I am the light. I came to bring light to a darkened world. Verse 6, it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him, Jesus, and walk in darkness, we die and do not practice the truth. Koinonia. Now, we know we have koinonia with the Father, but we as a church, as a body of believers, the Bible tells us that we should have intimate koinonia with one another. What does that mean? What does that look like? Man, if somebody in our body is struggling... We as the body need to come alongside and find out what's going on. Not just, oh, I'll pray for you, brother and sister, but, hey, what do you need? You know, is there stuff around the house I can do for you? Somebody gets sick, we make dinner. Um, The koinonia, the family thing, when you really care for one another, right? And we need that as a family of God. We need to have that koinonia with one another. It's, it's, it's not good for us just to show up on a Wednesday or Sunday. And that's all, that's what life is all about. Hey, I'll see you at church. All right, see you later. I don't know what else, anything else in your life, but I'll see you at Sunday and Wednesday. God is telling us, get involved in one another's lives. Somebody's hurting, reach out. Somebody's struggling, reach out. Somebody's car broke down and you have three cars. Hey, do you use this car? If you're a millionaire and you see a brother and sister broke and they're struggling, they don't have whatever, hey, God has blessed me with abundant wealth. Here, let me help you out. Koinonia. Emotionally, are you going through a thing and there's nobody else you can talk to? Men experience problems with, men experience problems that men experience. If you know what a man, if you're a man, you know what I'm talking about. We can go to one another, to another man and say, because we all experience. It's nothing new. Sexual sins is a struggle for people. It's all over the Bible. King David, man after God's own heart. He, that guy. You thought you're messed up? David was messed up. (laughs) So there's hope for you and I. David was in darkness, but God was always there. The light was always there. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit in this side of the cross. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, the Bible tells us that, man, we have every spiritual blessing that we need in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us. Every spiritual blessing. 
Every problem that you have had in your life, all the struggles that you have gone through, God has an answer. Did you hear me? Every struggle that you have gone through, God has an answer. Or that you are going to go through, God has an answer. He's not going to answer it right away. He may answer it right away because you really need an answer. Or he may tell you, let's work on your patience. Let's see how, uh, let's see how you can grow in your faith and your walk with me by not giving you an answer in this situation. Let's see how many times you come and bring it to me instead of trying to fix it on your own. What about our kids? If your parents are in here, I'm in the boat with you. What about our kids? Are there, do we have some kids who are lost? Do we have family members who are far from Jesus? They're in the darkness? Do we get tired of going to God and asking God, God, please, please draw them to you, God. You know, we raised our daughter with the word of God. She saw our actions. She saw our faults. She's at the age where she has to have a relationship with God. The light has come into her life. Love is a choice. Love is a real joy choice. So John is telling us if we walk in the light as Jesus in the light, we have fellowship with one another, true fellowship. Verse 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's tough. If you are here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I implore you, I extend an invitation to you that you are lost in darkness. What are you going to do about your sin? Who are you going to go to about your sin? God says, you need to be perfect to come to me. There's not one of us in this room that is perfect. We've all blown it. We've all failed We have all sinned. And for those, and during this time, you know, because the Gnosticism was going on, these guys believed that the body was bad, but because the body was bad and their spirit was good, that ultimately they're going to go to heaven land or what they're supposed to be, what heaven is. So when you have that type of thinking, that then your actions, you know, everything is for free fall. It doesn't matter. I was in darkness for 30 years. It got to a point where evil was good. Good is evil. There's no definition. It's like whatever you think is right, go with that. No, no, no. The Bible tells us plainly what evil is and what good is. You want to skirt the line? Play with God. You don't want to play that game. I invite you to come to Jesus. If you have not invited him 
to be Lord and Savior of your life. I invite you this morning to come to Him. He's not going to change you like that, all your behaviors. He's going to change your heart like He did mine 30, you know, when I was 30 years old. Didn't know nothing from nothing. Didn't know that God was going to call me in the ministry. Didn't know He was going to call me to this great, lovely, flat, windy city of Lubbock, Texas. But he has a plan. And verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Y'all need to highlight that. Because that is, we need that every single day, right? You know what the, the worst thing that can happen to a believer is when we fall into sin? Is you stay there. Is you never come to the Father and confess your wrong. Be honest with yourself. You know, you might be here in church and your life is messed up spiritually. You're far from God this morning. God is inviting you, hey, confess your sins and be cleansed. Guess what? He's already forgiven you of all those sins you've already committed. Those sins bring shame, bring disappointment. They just make you feel bad, don't they? It's like, God, I sinned again with the same sin. As you grow older with the Lord, now even young people, the ones who just got saved, as you grow older with the Lord, you will sin less. You're not going to be sinless. You will sin less. Why? Because more light, more of Jesus is being poured into your heart, your life. More of him exposes the darkness that we are in, that we try to live in. Are there some sins this morning that we have to confess to God before we end this service? Confess it to him first. If you need to confess to another brother or sister, reach out. Guess what? They're probably struggling with the same thing you are. Verse 10 says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. His word is not in us. So this is why John was writing this, to let them know, hey, Jesus is the man, is the God-man who came to earth, he lived this life, I lived with him, I ministered with him with three plus years, he died, yes, I was at his death, when he was crucified, he told me to look after his mom, he died and was buried, and I outran Peter to the grave, and when we got there, he was gone, And guess what? He didn't stay dead. He conquered death. Every single one of us will die. Who conquered your death? It better not be you because you'll be dying. (laughs) Lean to the light. That's all you come up. We're going to close out. So as we close, Jesus is the light of the world. 
We don't come to programs. We don't come to an organization. We don't come because we want to show up at church, or we don't come for any other reason but him. If you put any other reason besides Jesus, you we're just like the people he's writing to in 1 John. We come to Jesus. Why do we come to Jesus? Because he gives us true life. Life everlasting. Who wants that this morning? Who wants everlasting life? Your best life here on this earth. I know there's a book out there. There's your best life now. But your best life, your best experience here on this earth. That's not sinful. Best experience. Rather be a parent, you know, relationship with kids or your, your mom and dad. Your best experience is nothing compared to heaven. You know what? I just want to encourage you as a body, as brothers and sisters, that Jesus is the light of the world. No matter what you're going through, what you've experienced, if you're having a rough time this morning, he's the light of the world. He can light you up. No matter how how much of a darkness you think you're in. Guess what? That light is greater in you than anything in this world. Let's bow our hands, we'll pray, and we'll close out. Father God... I thank you for your word. I thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. The gospel is Jesus, your son. And as John was writing to these to these believers, this church, God, they were leaving their first love, your son Jesus, for a false love. God, we don't want to be that church. We want to unite in your son Jesus. He is the true light. And we thank you that you've given us the light. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for the gift of your church. We thank you for the gift of all these brothers and sisters who are here. And Father, I pray that for those who don't know you this morning, God, that they would come to you and be cleansed and be found just like I was January 2000. Went into a church, into a building with people. How your Holy Spirit spoke to me greatly, Father. And I knew, I knew, I knew. Didn't know much about you, didn't know much about your word, But I knew you were alive, and I knew that you reached down and brought me out of darkness. So I pray, whoever's here, if you want to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just want to be diligent from what Pastor Ben always does is give a salvation message. We wouldn't be a church if we don't extend the gospel, even though we see each other most of the time. We want to... Be faithful to you. If anyone here needs the Lord Jesus Christ, just raise up your hand, and I will pray for you and with you. For those of you here who are in the kingdom, who are part of God's family, who are in the light, let me do this. Everybody who has come to the light, please raise your hands up. 
Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. We all need Jesus. We may be in a dark place, dark times, going through a struggle. We all need him. And let me pray for health and every one of us. God, we need you. You are the light of this world. We need to be the light of Lubbock, Texas, to our family, our friends, our co-workers. God, empower us by the power of your Holy Spirit to do that, Father. Help us to live the life that you've called us to live, God. Holiness and righteousness, not because of us, but because of because of your love and your goodness. Help us to be confident in our walk, Lord. Help us to reach out to have the koinonia that you called us to have with one another. That's me. I need that. My brothers and sisters here need that. And that's our prayer this morning. To be more intimate with you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.